This is Cleantech Talk, Clean Technica's podcast series interviewing cleantech leaders from around the world. This episode is being sponsored by Tesla Shuttle. Tesla Shuttle is a city-to-city shuttle service using Tesla vehicles and sometimes other electric vehicles that has routes in the United States, Canada, and Europe. With Tesla Shuttle, you can enjoy luxurious, smooth, and clean intercity transport in the safest cars on the road guilt-free. Book a ride today at teslashuttle.com. This is the second part of my interview with Rodney Hooper and Howard Klein of RK Equity regarding Tesla's nickel and lithium sourcing and battery production plans. Getting back to the, um, the supply chain, uh, and I'm really eager to, to, to get back to the, the, the committee, but, but getting back to the supply chain. When we interviewed Northvolt CEO Peter Carlson recently, who is, um, he, he was a, a, an executive at Tesla for Supply Chain Matters for, for a while, and then he founded uh, Northvolt and is a CEO. Um, he, he talked about having the whole process for battery production from mining to packs, um, sort of regional, uh, so focus on, you know, if you have this many cars you need in Europe, you want to have, you know, this much battery mining and production. You So so sort of breaking out of that kind of what you talked about is kind of a, um, right now, you know, China being a kind of OPEC controlled market. I don't know how, how fully, but he's talking about it in what seemed to be kind of cradle to grave kind of way, like um, having, you Europe, know. So, so Europe has that as an ambition, but let's just be clear, in order to achieve that, you've then got to do, all of your mining, your refining, your cathode, your cell, your pack, and your EV all in Europe mm-hmm. uh, to, to close the loop. So it's interesting because Northvolt signed uh, offtake agreements with Namaska and with Tangshi at Quinana in Australia, and both of those projects have failed to come on stream. So mm-hmm. their lithium supply is now unknown. Um, huh. And again, we can't reiterate enough. And you know, the guys, you know, uh, Simon Moores and Vivas at Benchmark always do a great job of this. So trying to explain, it takes, you know, 12 to 24 months to build a battery cell plant or a cathode plant, but it takes a minimum of five to seven years to build a mine. So whilst yes, you want that ambition, I'm fairly confident that less than 15% of Europe's lithium and uh you know nickel production and probably manganese will come from european soil by 2025 yeah we were quite surprised i mean that's why i'm highlighting it because um we didn't realize that would be how much that was possible you know that that, you know so so could you give it and and europe has done an exceptional job of carrot and stick in terms of supporting getting towards that uh you know and there have been some you know, some, there's been some funding of, of some of the, you know, junior lithium projects, and you do have BASF and Umicore putting cathode plants into Europe. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, the BASF plant, they're talking about it being, you know, cathode enough for 400,000 EVs. So let's roughly say that's 50 kilowatt hours, because they typically look at smaller EVs in Europe. So that's, you know, it's 20 gigawatt hours equivalent. Um, and then the cathodes ratio on that's probably just over 30,000 tons. But 
you know, Europe isn't going to sell 400,000 EVs. Uh, you know, if, if the numbers are right, and I'm not sure, this is perhaps a bit ambitious, but my understanding on the, you know, the, the Tesla Gigafactory in Germany is it's looking to produce around half a million cars of three and of the three and the Y. So that alone would use more than BASF's entire, you know, you know, cathode production. And then you've only got, you know, Umicool from there. So it's going to be a process. It's going to take time, but the, the, the weak link in the chain is going to be the raw materials because of the, of the lead time that you need in order to permit in order to, I mean, a lot of them, you know, they don't have, final feasibility, but you've still got to permit, then you've got to fund and construct, then you've got to commission, and then you've got to ramp, and then you've got to qualify the material to battery standard. Mm -hmm. uh, there, are, there are companies looking at putting chemical processing plants into Europe, but again, how do you handle waste? Um, you know, where do you locate it? What material are you going to use as feed? Because there's only, uh, you know, so much of... Um, Spodumen, you know, projects in uh, in Europe, and uh, so it's a it's a it's a tricky thing. I, I I think that the closed loop ambition is quite some way away. So obviously Tesla has a different approach um, to the EV revolution uh, compared to large conventional automakers. Um, I forget how you worded it earlier, but it was sort of funny, clever clever way to to put it. But um, uh, sort of like they're pulling, being pulled in, dragged in more than, than eager to jump in. Uh, so that has changed, you know, how, how the two develop so far, where Tesla has much more gone into vertical integration, securing its, its supply chains directly and all this stuff um, because it needed to. Uh, going forward, you know, I, I, think, I think the market's changing enough where some players realize they need to go fast, not just as fast as they get dragged. Um, do you see how can you can you talk a little bit about how you see Tesla versus other automakers approaching these pitch, pinch points? Do you think it will be a quite different approaches, or do you think they they will, they would follow similar approaches? Whether whether that's you know directly investing in in mining or 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 supply companies, or just expecting the market to deliver what's what's needed based on you know the market yeah. seeing seeing what's coming. That, that's an interesting one. So, so typically, uh, the OEMs, when EVs were at low penetration and, and up until recently, they have turned to the cell suppliers, and that's how it sort of works. So, they ask the cell suppliers to deliver, you know, cells with a certain energy density, cycle life, volume, and price. And then that's the cell maker's problem. He then goes to cathode, and cathode goes to the various raw material supplies to uh, secure what they need. What we're now seeing is, is as pe EV penetration is picking up, there are certain of the OEMs who are starting to take it more seriously. You've seen BMW talking about working with Northvolt to secure the lithium and cobalt. Um, and uh, you've seen, um, I, I think, you know, GM is also, uh, they've said they are with their LG partnership in Michigan, they are looking to take a, you know, a, a closer, play a bigger role in ensuring that they've got the correct procurement, you know, from upstream to make sure that, you know, their supplies are in order. So it's, 
it's a progression. They are now reacting to it. Um, I think and you said, I think you, I think you mentioned yesterday that uh, one of them is hiring geologists now, or, or you know, they're, they're hiring people with different backgrounds than they typically have. What could you say a little more about what what that was? We we heard. Uh, I've heard. Tesla has been has had a team of people. Uh, Rodney mentioned Vivas Kumar, who's now at Benchmark, but preceding him was uh, David Deek, you know, who ended up working for a lithium development company. Uh, so as far back as five or six or even seven years ago, Tesla internally identified this and have been talking to uh, greenfield developers. I heard recently that. Uh, I think it was Volkswagen or BMW, you know, and then GM, you know, they had hired like a, a PhD candidate or something and wrote an internal paper and then they, you know, hired him and then another one, you know, kind of hired a geologist. But it, it shows you how far behind they are from Tesla. And that's VW and GM who are actually more advanced than yeah. Ford and Fiat. So uh, that, that said, I mean, Toyota well, has had, you know, a relationship with Toyota Susho, um, you know, and, and they've they they they've invested in a lithium uh, project. They've also invested in a rare earth project. So Japan uh, has experienced, uh, as has Korea, a bit, you know, more of this uh, worry of of scarcity. But uh, the traditional automakers in Europe and, and the United States haven't had to think about this type of stuff since um, you know Ford was buying rubber plantations in Brazil right in the right. Yeah. 30s right because yeah. uh, you get tires so and they have a lot to think about right you we were talking you know that they haven't figured out how to get the software right right so raw material sourcing is just it's very it's far away but at the end of the day the automakers are the ones with the biggest revenue and they have the most money to write checks to help finance mines. They have been to some extent deferring to their suppliers, their battery suppliers and their cathode suppliers, but there's so much pressure throughout the industry to keep getting costs down. So there hasn't been a lot of profitability in EVs generally, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if, well, you bring up if you're a battery or cathode maker, you're not that profitable a company yet. And right. if you're an EV maker, you're not making a lot of money on EVs. So when you think about, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you need to write a check for a billion dollars to build a mine or $500 million to build a mine, well, there's competition. <laughs> and yeah. so what's going to change this is that there's going to be a shortage of a number of metals and uh, like lithium and like nickel, but we don't know when uh, because of this time lag that Rodney was mentioning, right? It takes two years to build, let's say, a, a battery or, or, or cathode plant. It takes five years to build a mine. If the cathodes are ready and the, and the demand is there for the cars, but the um, th there's no lithium and, and nickel, then and then there's if, a fear-based you know kind of entry to to the market. And then all of a sudden, if the price goes up, then the projects. So, so many of these development projects are just based on forecasted prices of the commodity, and it's very difficult to forecast future prices of commodities. So therefore, everybody looks at what the current price is, and if the current price is too low. Uh, to incentivize, you know, the, the a return on investment, you know, then you just don't build, and that's what you've seen in the past few years. The trade war in America with um, China slowed down uh, demand uh, in both countries, 
and then change of subsidies in China, you know, made EVs not a great year, you know, in China last year. And as a result of that, like kind of demand fell off for some of the metals, the prices of, you know, fell off and therefore the investment slowed down, uh, setting up, uh, you know, the next boom, you know, uh, and, and we're, you know, we're in a bit of a bust. So yeah. it brings up to, yeah, sorry, there's enough raw materials in America, you know, in the world to kind of just make this happen. Um, but the, the, the complication is that the funding cycle for these, uh, which a lot of them are niche minerals, right? They're, they're not big markets. Lithium's not a big market. Nickel's bigger, but it's still, it's not as big as iron or oil or other commodities. Uh, so th- these, these groups respond to traditional, you know, cycles and the company, the mining companies themselves, it's very funny. The, uh, um, I was thinking about this after Elon Musk was pleading to the nickel uh, companies to you know, mine more nickel. He should be actually speaking to the investors of Norilsk Nickel and Vale and telling those investors like BlackRock to stop telling Vale and Norilsk to just keep delivering high dividend and returning cash. Because that's what the mining companies have been doing for the past... 10 years because the prior 10 years, you know, they invested too much in growth and they lost a lot of money. They made bad investments. So for the past 10 years, you've had investors just pushing, you know, show me the money, give me the dividends. Um, And it's time for in certain of these commodities that they need to invest in growth. But, you know, the CEOs of these metals companies are not going to do that if um, their big shareholders are telling me telling them to give us dividends. So, I would say uh, you know Elon talk to you know Larry Fink and uh, other uh, major money managers and tell them to tell their fund managers who own those stocks to invest in growth. Yeah, I was I was going to say I, hopefully this is where we can help play a role and raise awareness to this this challenge and this uh, maybe bring you know more investors into this world to think about. Um, the potential long term. Well, two things com- came up to mind too. Um, one, a great presentation from one of Tesla's founders, uh, Mark Tarpening, years ago, um, said that when they pitched investors on Tesla, they, they used to highlight, highlight that automakers for decades had been outsourcing more and more stuff and more and more were just producing engines and assembling cars. And um, this was a, um, a weakness in the industry. And then more recently which i think is clear everyone everyone knows that's happened uh, more recently we interviewed uh peter mertens mertens who was head of r d at audi until um, not that long ago and board member of audi volkswagen volvo and jaguar land rover over the years and um he highlighted i mean he, he's, he's outside of these companies now so he's able to speak a little more openly and he highlighted that they 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 and other automakers basically messed up by doing what you said they go to the battery sell producers say we want this you know this is how many batteries we're going to want um and but they didn't they didn't create such a firm commitment that the battery cell producers had to get that that amount of supply and so the battery cell producers are getting this kind of you know sort of soft mediocre commitment from 20 automakers and they're looking at the market and looking at what the automakers are doing they're thinking well we're not going to have, we don't need to, we don't need to produce enough for all of their, you know, we produce this much and some are going to want more, some are going to want less, you know, and, and we'll just, you know, uh, we'll have what we need. And what it has turned out is, you know, better as we've seen in recent years is they, 
the the demand has been stronger than the supply for for this and part of that is the the, the automaker commit uh, sort of loose commitment to to ordering batteries and how peter said um peter merton said they sort of um they just were treating battery cell producers like any other supplier expecting this two to three year you know you, we tell you this and you should have it ready in this amount of this time frame without recognizing how long it takes to mine and and get the battery uh, batteries up so it seems like he's not in the industry um, he's not in those companies now but him talking about it makes me think that automakers are much more aware of this problem that they've had and that like you said they're hopefully more committed now to the underlying problem but you still have that end up that problem you end yeah, up with which it's, is it's, it's a bit it's a bit disingenuous because what you're seeing is um is that automakers are wanting to essentially secure themselves their supply chain with prices where they are now and in mm -hmm. a lot of the key in a lot of the key metals those prices are not sufficient to incentivize producers to expand and they're mm -hmm. not They've shelved a lot of lithium projects uh, or put them on hold and uh, the same same for nickel not a, you know guys can't make enough of a margin it's a capital intensive business especially if you've got complex laterite ore bodies so you know it's all fine and well to say you know i want it and you know put it on the block but the, the seeds of the next boom are always you know planted in the in the bust and uh you know we having it we've had a a bust on battery metal prices so and rodney um or, or zach to to your prior point of uh the automakers giving loose commitment to the battery makers so we represent a number of lithium development companies and other you know uh, nickel and copper etc and just in the past few years you know, we, we meet with LG Chem, we meet with SK Innovation, and they, you know, and they show a whiteboard, right, to all of the lithium companies, and they say, these are our demands, right, and, and Rodney could talk about, I think, the uh, $125 billion of orders that LG Chem has and what that translates into to actual demand, but they come and show on the whiteboard, you know, we need this much, this many in 2021, two, three, four, five, and they're like, okay, great, we're a lithium company, so where's the check, LG Chem, you know, right. Where's the check, you know, BASF or Umicore for, um, you know, for cathodes? And then they say, well, um, we're not going to take price risk. And, mm -hmm. and the auto company is not giving them a price floor. They're not like guaranteeing them. So you're not going to say like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy your lithium for this price, right? And then not be able to pass it to the auto company. So we've done a ton of work on lithium in particular and lithium hydroxide and we've arrived at the fact and again any of your listeners any of the auto companies any of the procurement people you're listening to this they need to guarantee price floors of lithium for lithium hydroxide of a minimum of twelve thousand dollars a ton you know probably higher and give some flexibility you know for upside you know because these things will come short and, you know, a lot of, you know, lithium development companies, not easy to produce battery quality lithium hydroxide. And, you know, it sometimes needs more CapEx and more op OpEx. And in order to enable that these companies are profitable, uh, if you don't want to mine them yourselves, and you may have to mine them yourselves, you, you could take over and just, you know, Elon Musk is in the boring companies making rockets, he could figure out, you know, how to mine and process lithium if he wants to. Uh, and, you know, so he may have to do that. Um, 
but uh, you know, but you do the, the auto companies need to guarantee price floors. And, and I said uh, again, I've been doing this for ten years, and um, Tesla in two thousand and I don't know fourteen, fifteen. Uh, you know, said they want to source most of their lithium or mo all of their raw materials if they can in North America. And mm -hmm. when they were negotiating with uh, some companies, uh, they were the companies would come to them with presentations and say, "We could produce lithium for you know four thousand or five thousand dollars a ton." And then you know he's looking at the price, and and, and you know it might be ten or twelve thousand dollars a ton. Sometimes it's it's less, sometimes it's more. But he was thinking to himself, "Well, I got to get my." battery costs down. I need to get my raw material costs down. I don't want to give you too much of a margin. So I'm Tesla and, uh, you know, th therefore, you know, whatever price you think it is, you know, w give us a discount to that. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, he signed two very loose con um, offtake agreements with a company called Bacanora at the time and Pure Energy, which were then used by those companies to market, hey, we got this kind of like loose offtake, uh, you know, the stock went up and they were able to raise a little bit of money. But, you know, the only binding offtake and the terms weren't actually disclosed, the only binding offtake that he ever signed with a junior was with uh, Kidman Resources, a hard rock mine uh, that's going to produce lithium hydroxide in partnership with SQM. Uh, but you haven't seen any non-Chinese, and you've only seen a few Chinese OEMs uh, lock down, you know, some contracts and price, but the, the Chinese relationships are very unreliable. Even if you have a fixed price floor with the Chinese, hmm. it's always broken. So it, 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 it <laughs> lithium producers do not in general want to, or trust, I'm just, it's just a fact. I'm not, it's not a slight at all, but uh, even Livent, one of the biggest lithium producers and, and one of the three lithium hydroxide producers kind of indicate, you know, they like uh, selling to the Japanese, they like selling to the Korean because they, those are customers that adhere to long-term fixed price contract, mm -hmm. not like, you know, trading, you know, like a Hong Kong bazaar, um, you know, as soon as the price moves, which is the case with a lot of the, a lot of the Chinese. So, um, it is very important if Elon Musk wants a contract for nickel, right? I'll sign a long-term contract for nickel is what he said. It has to be at a, at a reasonable price uh, to incentivize it. If he's talking with a, a, a new mine developer, uh, if he's talking to, you know, Vale or Norilsk or, or somebody else, I, I don't, you know, and his existing suppliers, I don't know how that conversation goes, but, you know, Rodney uh, did an interview recently. You can comment on some thoughts uh, on you know streaming deals and, and how we can structure you know nickel offtakes. Yeah, you know, so uh, Zach, I did a, a an interview with uh, Ivan on the EV stock channel, and so one of the when when Elon Musk asked about you know and and he asked miners to heed the call to produce more nickel. I guess what he's saying is he doesn't want to get into the business of mining nickel. Um, uh -huh. So, what is an elegant solution for Tesla if they don't want to get into mining? Well, let's think about it. First of all, you know, they are. He said he did say, you know, I'll sign a long-term contract, but do it efficiently. Like as in, miners are inefficient, but I'll leave it. You know, I'll leave that to for them to respond. But um, the other side of the equation, of course, is cost in terms of raising funding to develop a mine. And if you look at uh, Tesla, if it gets included into the S&P, 
if you look at other similar companies that have a market cap around the 250 to 300 billion level, they all borrow money long term at about 0.4 or 0.5 or 0.6 percent. Uh, mm -hmm. And Tesla at the moment is is at about 4.4, I think. So, first of all, they they could borrow money at a lot cheaper than what a junior miner does. A lot of the guys are double digits to raise funding. So, if Tesla were to sign a physical streaming deal, where and and I think they they could put in clauses to say that they have first rights, so it's not a percentage of production or what have you. They, they, they sign a contract and say, we are guaranteed a minimum volume regardless of what you produce. And then you partially free, you know, you partially pre-fund that streaming deal. So typically in a streaming deal, you'll pay an OPEX sort of uh, price as you delivered the material and you'll pay an upfront price that will assist the mine in developing. Now, as I say, there is a capital, there's a balance sheet arbitrage here because Tesla can raise money at a lot cheaper than a junior miner can. So they could argue that, you know, the cost of constructing and funding the development of a mine can be reduced if they participate. And then they can, you know, they can agree a fixed price for their, for their physical streaming. And I believe with the assistance of pre-funding up front um, uh, that, you know, they could, they could get away with, uh, with a lower price than what they would ordinarily pay with just an offtake agreement where they, you know, are exposed to the vagaries of the movement in nickel prices as they fluctuate. Because I'm, I'm always of the belief that, you know, where, where Tesla's strength lies is in battery technology. It's in them finding their own efficiencies at the cell and pack level, you know, enhancing energy density, working on, on reducing energy losses between cell and, and, and pack and that kind of thing, where they can save and reduce the price of their battery packs rather than you know, getting into the necessarily the business of mining, if they can fix a price and they can live with that price and achieve $100 per kilowatt hour, then I think that might be a route to go without having to get into mining. Yeah, this, I mean, honestly, this is fascinating. I feel like I came into this conversation with maybe three puzzle pieces and uh, we've got 20 or, 30, 20 or 30 more here or something. So it's, there's a lot to process. Uh, we, we were just uh, chatting on the side that uh, basically I, I think uh, can have to write several articles out of this um, based on what we've learned here. And if you, and this is probably like a 5,000 piece puzzle or something. So this is still just scratching the surface, but it's- and, and, it, and it is because the thing as well is that nothing is mined and then put into a battery as it's the way in which it's mined. Hmm. Everything is, you know, in the cathode, it's all sulfate. So you are, you're having to process and, and make a, you know, a nickel or cobalt and a manganese sulfate to go into the battery. And these, and these metals are a big shift from what has been traditionally used in internal combustion engines. Mm -hmm. And then the rare yeah. earths, you know, with the permanent magnets, everything is a shift. They are new supply chains. And, you know, it's one th you need to get a handle on it because if you can't get a handle on it when EVs aren't even 5% of market share, you're definitely not going to have a handle on it at 50. Yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, I think we have 
the seeds of several more topics. I definitely want to keep a conversation going with you guys. I think a lot of people would deeply appreciate learning about this, this industry through your expertise. Um, again, as Howard Klein and, and Rodney Hooper from RK Equity really know their stuff. Um, I guess to close, uh, I would ask, I'm trying, struggling with which question to ask you to, to, to close with because uh, there's a couple of interesting ones, but um, you've, you've already said it several th- times, but I'll sort of ask, what would be your, your elevator pitch to Tesla, Volkswagen, and Fiat? or someone <laughs> uh, for what you know, the, it can be the same or different, what they should be doing right now to help get the, the supply chain up so that we can hit 25% EV market share in 2025 or something. Um, one of these more ambitious targets, if you think that's possible, we'll come back to the, to the targets later another time. I think they should, um, you know, potentially actually reach out to uh, Rodney and me to uh, help them <laughs> which of the projects okay are uh, worth funding and engaging with and they need to they just need to fundamentally mentally commit that they need to write checks to mining companies right or through their battery or cathode they need to work in an integrated way to identify where in the world, where could they do it sustainably. And I think uh, people like Volkswagen have uh, put out a manifesto uh, last year that said they recognized lithium as the irreplaceable element of the electric era. They identified hard rock mines, you know, to make hydroxide as the preferred route versus uh, other methodologies. It's not to say that there aren't other methodologies and, 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 and mines. Uh, they're just not yet proven, but you know, they've at least identified that and then you know, go to where the countries are and where there are actually good deposits. So they, it's within their abilities to not only hire geologists, but hire expert consultants and get up to speed with this. It doesn't require that many people, but they should have a team you know, like uh, Tesla has a team, uh, but Tesla also need, needs to write checks. But Tesla compared to the other automakers has always been, you know, struggling to survive, right? You know, so there was real competition for capital uh, for Tesla. So they don't spend any money on advertising. Uh, The automakers spend $4 billion each every year on advertising. So maybe allocate a little bit of that budget or allocate some (laughs) other, right, to uh, funding um, lithium mines, right? You know, and nickel mines. And uh, those who move first are likely to get the highest quality, lowest cost assets. And they should start viewing mines as a source of their comparative advantage. So Mm -hmm. that would be my message to all of those groups. I would also just give a message uh, to anyone, uh, any asset allocator, pension fund, endowment, uh, again, Larry Fink, BlackRock, you know, we have to invest sustainably and you got to think about stakeholders and the like. Change your mentality about mining Okay, and start instead of just saying you've got to sell your coal stocks and sell your oil stocks, you then have to say, well, we need to allocate capital to not just, uh, um, you know, wind farms and solar farms, but the raw materials that are going to fuel, you know, and power those, uh, the storage for those. So, you know, there's clean and green, you know, energy uh, metals. 
uh, they need to start allocating capital to. Excellent stuff, Rodney. Uh, yeah, so I, I think it's something that I've, I've raised in the past, Zach, is it, the, the battery supply chain is too fragmented. There are too many mm. mouths to feed and too many steps. Uh, that poses a risk to the, uh, you know, the OEMs achieving a hundred, you know, the sort of magical number of a hundred dollars per kilowatt hour. So if you look, some of the cell manufacturers are back integrating into cathode, and LG is one of them. And I think, and some of them are, are, are looking to again look even further upstream and tie in. Like CATL has a. I think you know is is looking to uh, you know possibly you know, everyone's looking to move up the chain. So if you look at the OEMs, there are ways and means of of doing it, but they need to whether it's directly or or synthetically through things like streaming deals, virtually integrate their supply chain so that they can make their their battery prices low enough that they can be profitable and survive in an EV world. Because at the moment, they're trying to resist and goal seek and do it at a minimum. And uh, if you look at, at Europe, where the CO2 emission policies are at, for every gram, effectively, you know, if you look at it, for every gram, you know, that you over, for every for every battery vehicle that you produce pure battery vehicle that you produce you save effectively 9000 euros so it's not really optional this isn't something where you say i you know how do i do my you know fleet mix it's too expensive to not get a handle on evs so as how i said there's you know there's ways certain ways to do it and the best assets will slip away from people and i, I guess they've been worried from a from a cost perspective but it's amazing at the enormous level of, of capital that they're prepared to commit on downstream basis. You know, 90, I hear 90 billion euros in numbers like that, and I hear zero allocation upstream in order to make, you know, the 90 worthwhile. So mm -hmm. they are shifting, they are moving, but I, I believe that uh, they need to virtually integrate their supply chains more and their ways of doing that that can save them money, I think, in the long run. And, uh, and while at the same time, you know, they, they can have their criteria for carbon footprint and for sustainability. They can, you know, they can keep, they can uphold those requirements. Uh, well, thank you, guys. This was, uh, after our talk yesterday, I expected a lot and you really disappointed. No, I'm just kidding. You, you far exceeded what I even expected after talking yesterday. So um, just really uh, fascinating stuff. And I know there's a lot more to go into, but um, for now I'll struggle to get sleep while getting this written up in a timely fashion this weekend uh, to try to highlight some of these points um, while they're, while they're fresh. I think it's uh, really fascinating stuff. So I'm really, we're, we're really eager to dive into mining, the mining side of the business the industry a lot more at Clean Technica and um Obviously, you guys are two two great resources to try to understand that. No, no pun intended, I guess. Uh, <laughs> resource. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Zach, and, and we're happy to come back anytime. To uh, you know, we're very passionate about the uh, promoting investment in the sector uh, because it, it, it's it's very niche and it's been an uphill it's been an uphill climb.
Thank you. Thank you, guys. So enjoy your uh, evening in South Africa and afternoon in uh, in New York there. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Nice, man.